everybody at home, welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, podcast about the church and for the church. I'm Connor, I'm here with Mike Shera, and today we are diving into a serious and uh, very relevant question. The question is, why does God allow so much suffering in the world? So good morning, Mike. Good morning, Connor. Um, we are <laughs> sitting in Mike's office. It's kind of drizzling outside. We weren't expecting the rain today. We weren't. No. Yeah, we have a, a graveside today too. We're doing a graveside service too, but we'll put the umbrellas up if need right. be. Right. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Well, uh, Mike, we want to get into this topic. I know uh, around the time this episode's dropping, there's going to be some some time spent on Sunday mornings, uh, sinners in the hand of a sovereign God, and I know you're going to be uh, diving in in that sermon series into the idea of suffering and suffering as a result of sin and suffering in a sin-cursed world. Uh, but today is the, uh, we're recording this on the 18th of August, and right now we are in the middle of big headlines about Afghanistan and Haiti, and obviously more uh, in the recent weeks and months, wildfires and Israel and Hamas. It's been a little bit of a crazy summer, and in some sense, every time in history, if you're attuned to it, is filled with craziness and all the manifestations of sin's presence. So. I feel like it's a relevant time to be talking about this. Mike, I want to pass it to you. Do you want to start with maybe a little bit of a kind of an opening statement to help us get our bearings? Where are you right now in terms of your thinking about why well, God allows suffering? And then we can get into a discussion from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts swirling in my in my head. And good intro, Connor. Um, you know, why so much suffering? And let me give you the bottom line on top, okay? The bottom line on top, why there is so much suffering is so that the works of God would be manifested in us. And and this is the answer, by the way, that Jesus gave in John chapter 9 when this question comes. And it's interesting. The disciples ask the question, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus passed by a man, and he saw this man, and he was blind from birth. And so the question comes, right? Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind, they give him two options. Must be one of these two. (laughs) And Jesus gives them a third option. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And the idea that God, and and as the story unfolds, the guy gets healed, but also he he gets spiritually healed. He becomes a believer. He professes faith in Christ. He says, Lord, I believe, and he worships Christ. And Jesus uses this as an example to tell the Pharisees, look, you're blind spiritually and you're saying you see spiritually. You're saying that you don't have sin. And because of that, you're still in your sins. And it's interesting that we're now in the midst of of so much of life. And again, you could drop a pin anywhere in life and say at any moment in time and realize that we're living in a fallen world that's under the curse. And most recently, it's you've got natural disasters like wildfires and like earthquakes, but you've got human atrocities as well. You've got what's going on in Afghanistan where, you know, Taliban has overtaken that country and people are, you know, running for their lives and what have you. And we've got a fallen world and we've got dictators and we've got, you know, atrocities. And then we've got COVID-19. Don't forget with the vax and mask politics and practical concerns and all the fights on either end of the spectrum. And it's like, and everyone... Doesn't it seem that people uh, feel like they know it all sometimes? I don't know. Do you run across many people who just 
are humble and and, and, and don't have an opinion to give on this? Right. Do you run across many people that they don't have opinions? I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it goes across the spectrum, the people that are egregious and want to get in a fight with everyone. But most of us have some kind of strong opinion about all of this. And, and here's the thing I want to bring up first, I think. You know, well, I think what we do is we try to play connect the dots far too often, as if we understand all the purposes of God. And what happens is we start blaming either God or man, and, and it's almost we act as if God's not sovereign. And, you know, this, this series we're in the middle of, a, you know, just a quick three-week series between, you know, uh, you know finishing our, our last book and, and beginning a new one, right? And the idea of, of, um, of uh, why is there so much suffering? You know, it's, it's God is sovereign. And God, God is truly sovereign even though Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. And... Think about this. You get most of your your info about the world through you know the news or the something on Twitter, right? Because Twitter is now the the new news feed for right. everybody. It seems right. like, and uh, you know the other night I was, you know, just searching Twitter for as many things about Afghanistan as I could, and that was the most breaking news because we're talking like ten seconds ago in someone just time. posted on the ground in Kabul, you know, and so anyway, there's a lot going on there. But um, you know, we just finished a series in Jude. Uh, last year we did Ecclesiastes. Now we're going to get into First Thessalonians. But taking three weeks and stopping and saying, "Look, we're sinners in the hands of a sovereign God," and so there is suffering in the world, and there are things that we are to do as Christians. Like we're going to take one week and say, "Why, why bother to be baptized?" You know, with all the suffering in the world, why would you just do something that as seemingly as insignificant as that? And why would Christians gather every week, mm-hmm. you know, regularly? To worship God in the midst of all of this, why why shouldn't we be out there doing something about all those right, things? Right, and I think the answer, you know, that that the the works of God's gonna be manifested in us. We need to attend to, to what God has told us to attend to, and you know, we do live in a time when we're hearing about things that we truly can do nothing about. Like I can't be over in Kabul right now. Yeah, I guess I if yeah. I got on a plane and tried to go over there, they'd be like, "Why are you here and who are you?" Yeah. You don't, you know, yeah. you're not going to help this situation. Yeah. Um, can you can you help me think through something? I, I can imagine someone listening to this and thinking, okay, I get the God sovereign, mm-hmm. and I understand that He's working through suffering. But if He is sovereign, He can do whatever He wants. So, what is it that's unique about suffering that allows Him to to put His work on display? Because He could have He could have made a world with no suffering, no sin. Mm-hmm. No evil, but he's he's made this world. Mm-hmm. What um, what about suffering gives him unique opportunity to put his own work and character on display? Right. Well, let's back up and just say that whole that whole thing that we say like you know he could have made a world like this. Well, he didn't. Right. And we don't want to even deal with the the uh, the non eventuality. Like like we don't even want to deal with what he could have done. And and we all say that. I say it. You say it. And we say, well, God could have done this, but he did this. And that's an interesting thing, as if he had like five options. Mm. Well, he get, he chose what he wanted to do from before the foundation of the world. Right. And and here is a sovereign creator of the universe that is unfolding the world as he has designed to bring himself most glory. Yeah. And so what we do is we we have to deal with 
what we've got. Right. And it's interesting. You go, you know, what's so unique about suffering? We can also flip that and say, what's so unique about joy? What's so unique about the birth of a baby? What's so, because all the good things and bad things like God, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things together for good to those who love him called according to his purpose. The idea there is that we readily will accept what makes us feel good and we revolt against what makes us feel bad. What God is saying, you realize, and here's the answer to this, the unique thing about suffering. Do you realize that the suffering that I am having you go through is for you to set your eyes more intently on me? Mm -hmm. Because what do we do? We go to our misery. We want to blame someone. We want to get out of it as soon as we can. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a cut on the finger or uh, a broken leg or a, a ruined marriage or a family blow up or, or, you know, human atrocities in a, in a, in under a dictator's regime. We want to rescue out of that because it's, it's inherent in us to want what is good and right and, and even safe. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think that the God mercifully lifts our eyes to him. And, and this is how we learn obedience really we, we focus on Christ as we suffer um, and, and you think of the unmerciful pain that that humans inflict upon one another and God knows it's happening and God isn't saying well I'm going to step in and stop every one of those things you know over and over again we read that that suffering leads to endurance that suffering leads to uh, the peaceful fruit of righteousness and, mm -hmm. and all these good things come out of suffering. Uh, even Jesus saying, you know, uh, a seed's not going to live unless it dies first, right? It's just die to yourself, deny yourself uh, and, and you will live, you know? So it's a counterintuitive way of yeah. thinking and living. Yeah. I know that that makes a lot of sense. What do you think about the idea of, of maybe in some way people, um, glamorizing suffering or being kind of gluttons for suffering or anything like that. I think sometimes within Christianity, there's this idea of, oh, I, I know that I'm going to suffer. And so mm -hmm. there might even be a way of putting suffering on a pedestal. <laughs> Can you address that idea at all? Sure. Especially because some people feel like it seems like they're always in crisis, right? Right. So first Peter is a good place to go. First Peter three. And it basically says, by no means let any of you suffer as an evildoer. Hmm. Okay. But the suffering, whether it's First Peter 3 or even James 1 here, says, count it all joy, James 1, 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, when you encounter them. You're not hunting them. You're not manufacturing them. Trials. You're not manufacturing them. Right. right. And some people seem like they have, you know, the, it's the uh, crisis of the moment every single moment. This is where you encounter them. You don't go out looking for them. You don't, you don't, you don't look for them everywhere you're at. You, you just live, you do the next good thing that God intends for you to do. Love your wife, love your kids, do your job, uh, pay your bills, uh, be kind to people. You do whatever is the next right good thing in front of you. But as you do those things, you will encounter trials. And, and notice what James says, for you know that the testing of your faith, because trials test your faith. I was talking to someone last night and I said, every time you're going, you're telling me what you're going through, and you're having to like do all these check downs like, who am I really in Christ? And it's playing with your mind because you're being told something bad about yourself in this situation. Someone's after you about something. And you're having to remind yourself, 
I am a child of the King. I am accepted in the Beloved. I am forgiven in Christ. I am a new creature in Christ. So the, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. What's, what's the idea of steadfastness? Remaining firm under trial, uh, enduring, staying, remaining, abiding in Christ. And let steadfastness have its full effect, which means that you could let it not have its full effect. Let it have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This grows you. So God grows you through, through suffering. And this is why even Peter said to suffering believers in, in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial which comes upon you to test you as, some, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. The spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But again, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler, someone who gets into the affairs of others. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Hmm. And this is part of the judgment coming upon the household of God to perfect, uh, because we suffer according to the will of God, perfect the church. And what do we do? We entrust our souls to a faithful creator while doing good. First Peter 4, 19. Mm-hmm. Can, can you um, maybe just give some perspective on this, this idea? I, I think a lot of times in our area of the world, in the West, not even just the West, in America, mm-hmm. in southern, sunny, you know, Southern California, Orange County, or or, cloud, with, or cloudy, rainy, or Southern cloudy California. rainy, Southern California, but you know, with uh, McDonald's and Starbucks on every corner, and the biggest, you know, problem in my life, wondering, you know, where I'm going to eat my next meal, not sure. if I'm going to eat it, but sure. where, you know, right. exactly. I feel like we often talk about in the church, oh, you know, we we have suffered so little compared to other believers in the world, and I think there's a lot of truth in that, but. Can you give a believer who's maybe here at Grace Church of Orange or listening, but you know, from a church in this kind of similar context, can you give some perspective? Is it true that we, you know, can barely relate to the suffering of other believers around the world, or maybe why is it the case that that we seem to suffer little compared to others? And just how do I process that? Because I think sometimes believers here maybe wonder if they're they're missing something because they're not suffering like believers in other parts of the world, or mm-hmm. questions like that. Any mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Yes. I think it's because sometimes we want to be sovereign and we don't want to acknowledge the sovereign God. You know, you don't blame yourself because you live in America, but you also don't coddle yourself, you know, because we can tend to coddle ourselves. So I think the idea is that, so we live where we live um, and we make the choices we we make, but it's a false dichotomy to say we don't understand the sufferings of others. So therefore we don't suffer. Uh, Everyone suffers in some way. I mean, like, Every baby being born is crying usually when they're coming mm-hmm. out, right? And it's like you start suffering from 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 moment one. You're you're and, and you start being sinful. You're sinful all the way through. So you're always dealing with your own sin. So you're suffering because of your sin, right? And that's why in the Bible it talks so much about don't suffer for being like a meddler or being troublesome or being a thief or a murderer, because those are things we're all prone to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's saying you can as a believer not do those things and choose not to do those things in the power of the Holy Spirit. But you're going to suffer in some way. Now, so again, some people, they think that their emotional suffering is, is worse than, you know, somebody else's, you know, physical suffering, whatever. It's just, we're weird about it. And everyone has different thresholds. 
Okay, some people, their pain threshold is like a sliver puts them in a coma. And others, uh, they, they can just take the nth degree of pain and still stand. You have to take that in consideration and realize that we're fallen humans, that we're trying to explain ourselves as we go along, hmm. and we're just not really good at it. Okay, mm-hmm. we're just not. Our best efforts are, are just you know willy nilly. Sometimes they're just like we're taking a shot in the dark. That's why we have to keep going back to Scripture, back to the Word of God, back to the Word of God. Jesus said, "In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world." That covers every instance yep. in this world. Yep. yep. Amen. Maybe just a, cl- a closing question. I would imagine that among the people listening to this, maybe someone is like, you are just talking to me. I'm suffering, mm-hmm. whether it's emotional, a, sure. a relationship, a, a hard life circumstance, a lost job, whatever that is. Yeah. How would you encourage that person from the word and encourage them in the Lord right now? Jesus is always with you. If you're a believer, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Believe that and take comfort in that. Jesus is with you. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows what you're going through. And, you know, you could be the person who almost delights. I think you've mentioned this before. Some people delight in suffering sometimes. Like they always want to say, I'm suffering. And it's almost like they they enjoy that in life or that's what their main bent in life is. But there's the other end of the spectrum where people say, I'm not suffering. Like they're in denial. Like it has to be this big for it to be called suffering. Hmm. And again, I would just say that if you lived on the, on, the, uh, the, on the top of a mountain under a tree with no one else around you for the next 15 years of your life, you will suffer greatly because of your own sin. Hmm. It, because sin, indwelling sin causes the worst suffering. Uh, why do we need mercy? It's because of the misery that sin brings upon us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you think about even the reformers that were dying at the stake and being burned and they were singing hymns of praise to God because that excoriating pain, that excruciating pain, was nothing compared to the weight of glory that they were going to experience because their sins had been lifted, because their sins had been put on Christ. And, and so it's you're living on a spiritual plane in the middle of a physical world, mm-hmm. knowing that spiritual realities are in play and realizing, wow, Jesus is with me? Right. I, I am kept, I've been chosen, and I am kept for eternity by Jesus. Now, everything is a mission for Christ. Right. Amen. Yeah. And he's carrying us towards a suffering-free eternity. Mm-hmm. So praise God for mm-hmm. that. Well, listeners, we love you, and we're praying for you. If you're suffering right now, you can always reach out to either Mike or myself. If you have a way of getting in contact with us directly, you can reach out to the church. There's people here who who love you and care for you and we love you. Um, Hope that this was a help to you. Uh, We're thankful for you and we will talk to you next week on the Ordinary Church Podcast. God bless you and have a good day.